Welcome to the Spillco Radio postgame show. The Iowa Hawkeyes just lost to the Wisconsin Badgers 24-22 in Camp Randall. Uh, had our hearts ripped out one more time by the Iowa Hawkeyes. Joining me, it's Jerry Sherwin. Jerry, what are your immediate thoughts after the game? Immediate thought is, once again, settling for field goals has crushed this team's chances from taking a roster full of talent and just going and being an eight-win, nine-win football team now, and that's what we're settling for, just like we settle for the field goals. This is officially the game, Jer. I'm going to replay for you next summer when you start talking me into a 10-win, an 11-win, or even an undefeated Iowa team, just to show you that we can get excited every single year, but things do not change. Um, I figured the best way to go about this is that in our over-unders this week on the show, we basically laid out how Iowa could win this game. If they hit the over and all of these not necessarily lofty lofty over-under lines, they would have a chance to win. So quickly going through these, Nate Stanley over-under 240.5 passing yards. Under. Wisconsin, Way under. Wisconsin over-under 2.5 sacks. That was also under, but... The next one, Jonathan Taylor, over under over under 130 rushing yards, way over. Over under two and a half receptions for Sam Laporta, under. Tyler Goodson, over under 11 and a half touches, under. Iowa, over under 100 rushing yards as a team, under. So you guys can kind of see the theme here, as we kind of alluded to during the show on Thursday. Sam Laporta, Tyler Goodson, these younger playmakers not getting an opportunity to make an impact in this game against Wisconsin. Quite frankly, leading is, is just another tell. As I said on the show Thursday, the reason Tyler Goodson is not going to get over 11 and a half touches is because he's a freshman and they're not going to give him the ball because they don't feel like he can contribute. When in reality, he had the, before that uh, Tracy touchdown, he had the longest play of the game. And he then just went back, right back to the sideline and was utterly useless. To me, this is just another example of, of the coaching staff not putting the best players out there for a chance to win games that they could win. 100%. If one of us would have came on a week ago and said that Jonathan Taylor's going to have 250 rushing yards on 31 carries and I was not going to rush for more than 100 yards, we would have expected a complete blowout. So once again, like the defense did not do their job in the terms of actually stopping the run, but everything else they did. They stopped Jack Cohn. They, they they went with the let him beat you process because it's not like Taylor got into the end zone. He never did. Right. But they got Cohen to actually throw a pick. He it's just it's so maddening because we had Wisconsin in the first half just collapsing. They were making penalties that they don't normally do. They were making mistakes they don't normally do. They had the the um I, my my mind is mush right now. It, it's just I don't even know what to say anymore. Like, I've been the positive guy. I've been the guy that's trying to rah-rah everybody. But then, like, Brian comes out there and has this game plan once again. We have six points, basically, until all of a sudden it was like do-or-die time, and he started pulling shit out of his ass. And then here we are. We're still losers. And that you just hit the nail on the head. Until they decided to just say, open it up and throw it around the, around the field, the offense looked like it has every single week all season long once they hit Big Ten play. It looked utterly lifeless and they couldn't do anything and then when the second they started spreading everybody out and throwing the ball around the field Wisconsin didn't know how to defend it and it was also working they they were able to get Nate Sealing out get him to release the ball quickly so it negated Wisconsin sending the blitz all the time and got all the playmakers that we have talked about since the summer got the ball in their hands and started doing things with it 
it's it's just it's getting to a point where this coaching staff is becoming very very difficult to defend. It's what's also frustrating to, to add to that DC is the fact that like you watch Wisconsin and they're not doing anything tricky. They're not running like Chip Kelly's Oregon offense. All they're doing is putting a bunch of people in motion and making defenders have to think for a quick split second before one of the best running backs in the nation gets the ball and he's super patient and then he hits the hole that arises. It's not that difficult what they're doing. And when you watch Wisconsin football, it's hard not to just sit there and think, why isn't Iowa able to do this? How often do we ever send anybody in motion in this offense anymore? I mean, unless it's on the jet sweep that then gets blown up in the backfield, not very often. And that's the part of the problem, right? That's what we. That's what this issue is with Brian. And you know what? I'm finally off the bandwagon. Everybody, I won't. I won't tell you anymore on this podcast that you need to believe. Like I, Brian. Brian Ferentz is the offensive coordinator is a failure. Brian Ferentz is a head coach. I can still talk myself into that, which is weird. I know, that's but weird. he doesn't call plays. But Brian Ferentz, the offensive coordinator, is over. It's bad. It's toast. And I know that we're not going to get a firing. I know that we're not going to get a parting of the ways. But the fact that this offense is so lifeless with all of this talent that we ju- you just mentioned earlier. Tyler Goodson had six touches today. We had Torrin Young working, and then they went away from Torrin Young. Yep. And it's just like, what are we doing here? What are we doing anymore with any of this talent? What's the purpose? Well, we're now in a spot where Illinois has a better conference record and almost overall oh, record than Iowa does God. after their comeback win versus Michigan State. They are bowling and they are very excited. We have six wins and we feel as if the world's falling apart around us. There's a very, very, very real chance after Minnesota put on the smackdown on the state today that we go into the game against Illinois with a with the exact same overall record as Illinois. Yeah. Wow. That's it's scary. And quite frankly, the way Illinois is playing, the way I was playing, there's a chance I, Illinois beats Iowa in two weeks. Oh, yeah. Do we think L- Iowa's going to score more than 20, 24 points against Illinois at this point? I don't. Nope. And then you go into the game in Nebraska. It's a rivalry game. Scott Frost coaching with – you could make the case that they don't win a game the rest of the season. The offense continues to play the way that they're playing. One billion percent. Like, looking at this Minnesota game, I know that you've said that they're the biggest pretenders all season long. I was actually one of those guys that believed in Minnesota. <clears throat> but there's no way I want to – I'm picking Iowa no. next week. We'll get into it in the extra show when Champ's back with us this week, but – I was wrong in Minnesota. They look great. They, I mean, they looked so impressive. You know impressive what they did, DC? State. What? They did everything Iowa couldn't. Yeah. They did. They did every single thing Iowa couldn't against Penn State, every single thing Iowa wasn't able to do against Michigan, and every single thing Iowa, once again, was not able to do against Wisconsin tonight. The last thing I think we'll end on this, we'll keep it very short this week because I think we're all very angry. don't want to say something we will regret later on, is the two-point conversion at the end of the game. Ugh. I was vocal on Twitter saying that it's a stupid play call. Later to find out on Twitter from Nate Stanley post game that that is the go that was their go to two point conversion play this week. <laughs> he said that post game. So instead of going reacting to how in the moment how you are attacking and how you are succeeding offensively, you go back to the well the play that you drew up on Tuesday, and expect it to work, and then in the process give your quarterback a huge shot where you, if they had a chance to get the ball back, there was a legitimate chance that Spencer Petros was going to go back in there because he was warming up. Yep. 
there was there's two times that Nate Stanley kept the ball today in infuriating fashion. There was a third and short that Brian decided to do an RPO type action. Nate one. kept the ball yep. instead of giving the ball to Tyrone Good or Tyler Goodson. He had about 30 yards of green space in front of him. Nate kept it for some reason. That bit me in the ass from getting all excited earlier in the season. And then on that second down convert or that that two point conversion, I. I I get I get why they thought that it would be successful because you have a quarterback that's 245, 6 foot whatever and him going straight at the pile for a couple yards should work. But when your offensive line doesn't know who they're blocking correctly, it's never going to it got blown up the minute it happened. I forget who it was. It might have been Callenberger, but maybe it's not doesn't really matter, but he was blocking a certain way and he should have been blocking like I think he was outside, he should have been inside. And just like if you practice this all week long, how do these guys not know where they're supposed to be blocking to make sure Nate can run his big ass up the middle? Right. And on top of it all, there are going to be people on Twitter who say there are positives <laughs> to pull from the second half when they aired it out and started making their comeback. But you know what? Don't care. I, I was going to go right back to what they did in the first half of this game next week versus Minnesota and expect the same expect a different result. I'm I'm done being I'm I'm going champ here and I'm not. This isn't heel. I'm not going to go heel. I'm done expecting Iowa to change because Iowa is what it is, and it versus lesser competition, it's going to work. But versus the Wisconsin's, the Michigan's, the Penn State's, the Ohio State's, hell, even probably Minnesota next week, doing the same thing week in and week out is how you get your ass beat and how you go eight and four every single year. Yeah, and you just live in the margins and hope you get lucky. I swear to God, we just hope we get lucky more so than we actually like want to go out there and and do what Wisconsin did and just run it down somebody's throats. It's yeah. so mad. It's we should be that program, guys. I know this is going to be like a shock, and people are going to want to be positive. And you're talking to the captain optimist here, but there's no reason Iowa should not be able to do the same things Wisconsin did today, at all. Period. End of story. Absolutely. It's the same type of developmental program with the same type of athletes that they're getting. Yeah, I know that like Wisconsin maybe has some dudes from Texas and Florida coming in, but we also have these guys from Jersey and like Georgia all of a sudden that we're pulling in too. Let's not pretend that we're not getting athletes either. Right. Absolutely. It's it's sickening. It's sickening that we keep doing this and we're going to pull positives for something that doesn't matter anymore. Enjoy the Capital One Bowl at best, guys. Congratulations. This season's worthless once again. Yep. And you know what? Everyone's celebrating Minnesota on Twitter and national. Like this is more national and Iowa specific is because they had a chance in a season where everyone was questioning them to go and make a statement in the mm-hmm. regular season. And they delivered and they I was so jealous of them after that game, getting all the love from nationally from everybody going back to 2015 and week in week eight week out having to hear about Iowa not being not being real and taking a loss against Michigan State in the in the conference championship game to actually earn a little bit of respect. But you know what? Like, that's the thing Iowa should be able to do. They should be able to, to schedule and play against the top echelon talent in the Big Ten at home, no less, and make a statement and win and earn respect. Week in yep. and week out, th- this this performance, this type of offense week in and week out should no longer be tolerated by the fan base anymore. I'm sorry. It shouldn't. And, like, you talk about jealousy, D.C. I'm jealous of Wisconsin fans. Absolutely. I'm so jealous. I'm not. I'm not jealous of their student ticket policy because it took basically. A oh, absurd policy! Day. But yes, everything else I'm jealous of. But everything that they watched today, like how could you not just enjoy that brand of football? Yeah, I mean, they have a quarterback who does not scare anybody, and they still can rush for over 300 yards as a team. 
Oh, and then he still, when it mattered most, he put one right on the money and moved the ball 56 yards on the field for their highest passing yardage of the season in one play right, right against Iowa, too. So, All right. Well, we'll come back next week on the show, and uh, we'll, we'll I'm so get, sad. get Champ's thoughts after going keel. He was quite entertaining to watch the game with today. Uh, but for Jer, I'm DC. We'll talk to you guys again next week, I guess. Go Hawks. Enjoy your sushi.